Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Otter Fishing with me, Trevor Topfer. Hey everyone, and welcome to our inaugural live broadcast of Otter Fishing. Wherever you might happen to be this wonderful day, you might be deep in the metaverse or in the physical realm or somewhere in between. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for watching. I appreciate your attention and I hope you enjoy what we are about to get into. Uh, somebody I'm really excited to be talking to and hopefully learn a few things from today is Mr. John Mabry Jr., who is a video and presentation coach. Welcome, John. Nice to have you on the podcast, mate. Great to be here with you, Trevor. Bloody awesome. Awesome. Yeah, and I've been really, I've been really looking forward to this because this is a not only is it my first attempt at live, which is you know it's a little bit nerve wracking when you when you're sort of recording them. You get the uh, there's always that little voice in the back of your head that says we can cut this out if you fuck it up. Uh, we can't do that on live. So uh, warts and all, that's what everybody's going to get today. And uh, the other part of it is this is the first time we've actually had a conversation. So it's always interesting and nice to uh, to meet somebody on the podcast and get to know them. Uh, from from the get go, uh, to and everybody else is getting to know you as well. So that's uh, that's, a, that's a really cool thing. Uh, so John, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, you're based in Auckland here in New Zealand, and uh, you're a video and presentation coach. Tell me how that all came to be a thing for you. Well, again, first of all, welcome. Uh, thank you very much for having me on the show. And I'm a big fan of live because you know that if you make a mistake, you've just got to keep moving. You know, I, 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 I interviewed on, on a show, on, on like a, well, a little interview, just as a side, uh, Stephen McIver, the, the broadcaster on, um, Sky, on, on Sky TV. And it was just, you know, I loved it. He was, um, he and I both came from a, a radio background and you just learn that in a live situation, you've just got to keep moving forward. And it was a wonderful interview because it's, you know, and it, it took, it took us on us on some, on some twists and turns. And, you know, I'm sure as an interview, you have some questions there. Um, sometimes you, you don't have any questions there. Oh, okay. No. Freeform. Right. <laughs> I'm a conversationalist. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I can, maybe I can ask you a few questions, but you, you, you have asked me. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm a former broadcaster um, back in the, back in the nineties and noughties turned marketer. Uh, and really, the what I'm doing now is combining both of those of how do we present ourselves on camera, uh, or even present our voice and have it be authentic, but overlay yeah. that with some marketing knowledge, overlay that with you know social media, business, a business focus, so we can uh, we can show up as business owners or business leaders and present ourselves and our business, so we stand out from all the other people who tend to not do video or not do podcasts or not do any kind of put themselves out there and creating content. That's kind of me in a nutshell. Wonderful. I mean, it's so important now, right? Uh, you know, video over the last, say, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's been five or six years, but it's certainly since COVID kind of kicked in, we all got trapped inside of our houses. Our amount of time spent online went uh, through the roof. Uh, you know, video has become such an important format. I mean, here, here I am doing a podcast and we add the video element to it as well because it's, it's, it, it really feels like not only do the platforms kind of favour that and you get a little bit more reach and you get a little bit more engagement and stuff from the, from, the, from the video content, but also people genuinely respond a little bit better when they can see that it's you and it's not polished and that you're a real human and just like something dropped in the background there. There's, uh, you know, 
there's a sense of, uh, yeah, that authenticity that comes with this 100%. format, which I really love. 100%. You know, I think people have been forced onto Zoom. We, you, we, we all acknowledge that we've, we're, we're, we've got Zoom fatigue. Uh, and But what it has done is it's forced people to look at you in a screen environment and, and, and dispel some of those myths that we might have as individuals of, oh, my God, uh, people haven't commented that I look ugly that my nose is crooked, that I've got a big, you know, people, people don't see that, right? People just see another human being and they're more interested in what's in it for them. What's going to come out of your mouth that is going to be valuable to my life. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, cool. and, and, you know, it's, it's just been, uh, it's been great for me as a, as, as a, as a video coach to really um, take people. So, okay, well, you've had an experience on zoom in all these meetings. Uh, how can we apply that in, uh, in content for social media or, or or email marketing is kind of my next foray into my coaching space. But that's the story. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I've always, you know, I come from a content creation background. So I'm a content marketer, I guess, by trade. And uh, spent the last couple of years getting more into the technical kind of tactical stuff, sort of, you know, leveraging platforms and user data and all of that sort of, you know, um, marketing wizardry. But certainly from the content background, I find that video is so important because when you create a sort of hero piece of video content, there's so much you can do with that one piece of content that can continue to drive engagement and interest. You know, people spend a lot of time trying to come up with the perfect Instagram post for their business or the perfect <laughs> LinkedIn post for their business. And they probably spend just as much time as you and I did preparing for this podcast, which was zero, but they probably spend, uh, you know, just as much time as they could just go live on camera, shoot a video, be authentic, tell the story that they want to tell. And then they can repurpose that piece of content uh, several times over chop it down, get sound bites from it, get quotes from it, you know, reproduce this uh, and, and feed that content machine that social media has certainly become. So, yeah, hopefully we can dive into some of your, some of the things that you see people do not so well, some of the things that you see people do very well. Uh, and hopefully people will want to come back and watch the video version of this, not just the audio version, because they'll get to see how you do your, magic uh in camera which is kind of the topic here so uh, an excuse to drive people to the visual uh, medium put, put the, the pressure. pressure on there trevor yeah, you yeah. know and I, I think look i think there's um uh, you're absolutely right uh, uh we're, we're creating pillar content now right so gary v always said you know create one piece of content and then chop it up and repurpose it in all sorts of different places website social um you know anywhere where your people are you can reuse that again. And you can, mm -hmm. you know, if, it, if it's not time-stamped, if we don't mention COVID or if we don't mention it's 2022, then you can use that in 2024. You can use it mm -hmm. at a time. Uh, and so once you've created it and once it's out there, um, it, it's there for its its lifetime, if you like. Exactly. Yeah, I've talked to people about... So long as you're doing the same thing as you were, you weren't changing from being a video presentation coach to being a bloody insurance advisor, then it's really going to be like, well, I've confused the, the buggery out of my audience. Yeah. I've got the wrong guy. I need to go again. Yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, uh, I, I completely agree. And one of my pro sort of tips that I gave uh, when I was talking to, to businesses about how to use long-form video content uh, one of the pro tips I, I stumbled across was once you've got your video or, you know, what we're doing here, you take the audio file and you play it into a voice to text 
translation tool mm-hmm. like a Google Doc, Google Docs has one, yep. and you've got a blog post. So you can start to build it out from just beyond, uh, you know, a straight video. You can create blogs, you can create, you know, social posts, all that other stuff, which is which is amazing. So, um, tell me, John, a little bit about some of the things that you see. You know, when you when you first take on a client and they they're starting at, at baseline, um, what are, what are some of the, the, the the kind of key things that you think people need to get right? Yeah, look, I think the, 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 the area that I focus is short form video content for new business development. That's really just mm-hmm. like there, there is a desire for business owners to put themselves out there by doing some sort of video content, but there needs to be that reward. There needs to be, well, they're, 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 they're already creating. Right. I, I generally don't work with someone who uh, doesn't create any content whatsoever because there is still that initial concern of I've got to put myself out there. You know, mm-hmm. it's, 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 a, it's a thing that we as human beings need to go, OK, cool. OK, well, I want to grow my business. I'm going to do that organically. I'm going to post some content on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, wherever it might be. But that's generally the first step. So they're going to need to be content creators and uh, as a writers, posters, et cetera. Then they kind of go, well, I'm, I'm going to consider doing video is, well, you know, there's a number of concerns they've got to get past. And I think um, I focus primarily on uh, having that content be under 60 seconds. I used to say 90 seconds. Now I'm mm-hmm. saying you need, it's, it's, it, everyone's fighting for your attention. As you just said at the top of the show, you know, thank you for your attention. And it's, yeah. it's, it's so, I, I don't think it's a matter of time and money anymore. It's all about attention. So yeah, uh, if you're talking, if you want to talk to prospects, you want to talk to people that you don't know, then you need to respect their time. And mm. for me, that is the number one objective. Uh, and then everything kind of flows in from there because it's, uh, you know, uh, I see all those rookie mistakes. People put up a video and go, this is my first video. And then they ramble for four and a half minutes. And then, and Just then like say, I started the show, right? <laughs> and, then, and then say, well, I tried video, but it didn't work. And it's, 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 it's like, okay. I mean, if this, but this is, a, this is a long form podcast piece. So there, 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 we, we can have the conversation. Uh, if people are interested in, they will watch it all the way through or watch p- pieces of it. Uh, but again, you're going to cut that up and you're going to have them come back to, um, and that's where smart marketing, uh, I've been able to know how to dissect that and chop it up as you, uh, as you said before. But really, that's the first thing is timing. Uh, under 60 seconds, if you can say it in 30 seconds, why spend 60 seconds saying it? Mm. So, oh. you know, it's, uh, so really, uh, 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 I then introduce a script framework. So, you know, there's there's other presentation coaches who are very good, um, and I know most of them. And what they're very good at is showing people, showing people how to deliver it. Then there are a lot of other video coaches who are uh, immersed or come from a filmmaking background, so they focus on the production elements. And that's probably where I'm a little bit different. I say I'm a video presentation coach that is content-led. Because ultimately, I need to do, we, we need to dive, dive into the first critical, critical concern that people have when they do video. What do I say? Mm-hmm. What will my audience value in what I have to say? You know, I'm an expert. I'm a mortgage advisor. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an accountant. What do my audience want to know? Now, you as a content marketer will probably say, well, you should already know them. But if you don't know, go and ask them. Mm-hmm. 
you know so for me it's all about the the first the first week in any coaching that i do is um what 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 are we going to say so understand what i talk about the four piece of content pains problems philosophy proof you know for a small business owner who i work with uh if you can talk about those four things you really don't need to talk about anything else and again i'm if we're talking to people who have never really done a lot of video it's that's that's who i'm talking to it, it, mm-hmm. there'll be there'll be other programs that i'll be doing down down the track where i can help people who are a little more experienced once they've done 100 videos they want to improve their presentation but but in the in the in the initial phase it's just about making sure that the clarity is in there is there in the message and then um do i do I, do I come across okay? That's really, I think, that is their, their, their biggest concern is I want confidence. I want the confidence to get out there and do a video and people not to go, oh, my God, he's such a dick. Or, shit, you, you know. It's, I think that, that's the first step is give them the confidence. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's all about that first thing is what do we say? And I have about, I have like a script framework that I use. And the framework, can be can be deviated you can deviate from the framework but understand that if you deviate from the framework typically as we as we learn in radio um that that it's very hard to dig yourself out of that rabbit hole and come back to what is it i really wanted to say so i i just get i i come back to that principle less is more uh, mm-hmm. deliver, deliver. So yeah, I, I kind of take them through seven 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 styles to personal story client story education uh, shorts, uh, kudos, and sales. So was that seven? Well, that was eight. No, I, there's, no there's, there's no sales. There's no sales. There's no, there's no sales on social. Um, well, well there, there can be. Invitations. Invitations. Invitations? Yeah. Invitations. I think it's, um, you know, I, I like to kind of talk to it. And, and, and I'm glad you, I'm hearing what you're saying because it, it's, it's making me feel better about my own kind of understanding of this medium as well. Um, it's always nice to hear that what I think is an expert agrees with. Um, but to me, it's about, first of all, the majority of our distribution of this type of content is across social media, let's be honest, right? Um, social sure. media provides us a, a, a way of <clears throat> talking to a, a larger audience and potentially have a large, even larger audience find us. But it's social. It's, the, the key is in the, the, the name. And most people make that mistake. And I think when they first start diving into this, you get the whole, you know, Facebook is not a sales billboard. I don't go on Facebook because I'm looking for a pair of shoes or I'm looking for an accountant or I'm looking for, you know, a service. I go on Facebook because I'm kind of bored or maybe I just need to feed the, the bottom of the brainstem and, uh, and, and get my dopamine hit. And I'm, I'm really looking for entertainment. I'm looking for distraction. I'm looking for, uh, you know, so it's, it's about understanding what is the behavior, you know, and I, and, I, and I try and translate it to the physical world. So you talk about, you know, if you walked into a bar or a, or a nightclub and you said, hi, I'm Trevor and I sell marketing software, you know, you'd be the, you'd be the loneliest guy in the room, right? So oh, sure. you've got to think of it in the same way. Like Facebook is a giant nightclub, right? And you don't know anybody in there. And the last thing you want to do is go in and lead with, can you buy something from me, please? And I think a lot of businesses get that wrong because they come at it with this old mindset of, well, marketing, I need to get my sales message across as quickly as possible because TVCs are very expensive or my radio is only eight seconds long or, you know, the billboard, I've only got a glimpse and then they're gone. 
Uh, but social is about earning the right to have a conversation and earning the right to continue that conversation is the most important thing. If people don't engage with you and continue to come back and hear from you, they're never going to hear any message that you've got. So screaming at them that you've got something for them to buy or, or, or uh, trade is, is, is just wasted energy. And think about what you do on those platforms as well. Do you go on there looking for a pair of shoes? Maybe Instagram, maybe. Um, if you follow the Kardashians and things, maybe you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> But uh, I think for the most part, we're looking for aspirational, inspirational, edutainment kind of content that distracts us from the reality of our day. Um, and the other thing I talk to people about is think of your video as a almost like a, a, an introduction to your, like a physical introduction that, that's evergreen, that people can do it on demand. So you, you were talking a minute ago about, uh, you know, how to set that up and, and, and keep it in short form and get your message across in a, in a short way. And I, and I like the idea from what you've said of that, that lives there forever. So whenever I'm ready to engage with someone like you, that's there for me to do it in my own time at my own leisure. And people, I think, sometimes forget that, you know, most people are going to listen to this podcast or, or watch this podcast after long after we finished it. I'll probably record it another episode or another two episodes before most people watch this one. So always in the back of my mind it's this idea that this content lives you know on the web forever and it's there for people when they want to find it and 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 i think that's a, a really key takeout from what you were saying a minute ago yeah yeah it's um uh all valid points and you know i think whether you're creating written content or video content or imagery content whatever it might be it's um uh you you've you've got to build no like trust you know, it's it's it's, a, it's the oldest cliched phrase in 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 the in the in the history of marketing, but uh, you put your you put your content out there so people know who you are, and before they do business with you, because people buy people is then they're going to need to like you. So uh, unless you've got a very compelling offer and you've got deep pockets, uh, then you can go move your video your your content to a paid strategy, and obviously that's um you know. Uh, you've got this problem, here's my solution. But most small mm-hmm. business owners don't. So they, um, they have the force to go down the, go, go down the organic track. So, you know, when I first started uh, uh, um, doing video of people only, or call it talking head video, mm-hmm. is I used to just do one long interview of about 45 minutes and 80% of it was personal. It was, it was all about, tell us your story because people mm. buy into your story, you Correct. know, it's, and the better you are at storytelling, the easier, um, um, you, the, 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 well, your, how your audience would receive you. So, mm. you know, telling a short story about um, how I uh, got to the, you know, climbed Mount Everest and got down the other side, people are going to be more engaged in that, in the story of that. Um, and the fact that you were there and you were in it, you were the you were the hero in that story, then people are going to go, okay, well, I quite like Trevor. He's he's a nice guy. He, he's, he's 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 done some mountaineering, which we like about relatable content, right? Just share for if you're gonna if you're if you're starting from scratch, and most people aren't. Most people, you know, they they they'll they'll do one or two social media social media posts, and you know, if you it's it's, it's share your philosophy, you know, the four P's <laughs> philosophy. Uh, some of the things you can talk about in your uh, in your personal story, your founder's story, or your founder's why, you know mm-hmm. why what what gets me out of bed in the morning, and uh, you can talk about two values which are important to you, and uh, you could talk about two mentors. And again, I, I'm I'm choosing a number here because 
talking about two things might take 20 seconds allowing for a top and tail five or 10 second intro so we're trying to keep it within 60 seconds so that's the that's the first and fourth first and foremost measure so we're talking about two values two mentors talk about your who's your superhero and why and, and yeah. it's, you know, it's we're, to, we're talking about short form content because as i said your prospects are time poor more than likely time poor and we need to build this resonance around who you are first before we mm -hmm. start talking about um uh, what the, you do or what you sell what, or whatever it is what, yeah yeah what's in it yeah. for what well, really what's in it for them and i think you know yeah. we've got to turn this model around of you know that's why i kind of from a from a linkedin or even a sort of facebook headline is people talk about what they do yeah. you know i'm a, i'm a you know there's a lovely um, you should, I recommend you should have the lovely Linnea Johnston uh, on your podcast, who is okay. New, Zealand, New Zealand's probably foremost LinkedIn. Um, uh, she's written a couple of books on LinkedIn, is um, uh, well respected globally, and uh, she's a she's a wealth of information around uh, all things LinkedIn. And I think it's you know mm -hmm. people look at that profile. Not many people are on LinkedIn. Well. Eight, there's 800 million in the world um but you not know many. not many but and you know it's growing in new zealand but it's a great place to learn stuff and it's a great place to build relationships and it's a great place to build business um Bible. does that does that mean have sales yes i'm sure when you when you you know when you talk to glenn marvin the other week um and and i suggest if you haven't watched the glenn marvin, marvin episode that's your little plug yeah, for you trevor for you know, go back and listen to Glenn because he again he's another he, oh, another linkedin he, he, superstar yeah he's a he's a, he's a master at at uh, taking that format and translating it into a meaningful kind of interaction and he gets a lot of his business like you said i think you said something like 40 percent of his business comes oh. from from linkedin you know um, and he's a, he, he's he's very good like you know, to, to kind of rewind or preface it, he's very good at that storytelling piece. And I think, you know, the way I consider it is storytelling is so important because that's our, in our DNA. You know, we, we, we've spent 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 60,000 years telling stories. That was how we passed on knowledge from generation to generation. So we're kind of hardwired in our DNA to want to engage with stories. So if you get the storytelling piece right, uh, and then you can you can capture people's attention. I mean, you know, people say, oh, you've got 60 seconds. And, and, and yeah, you probably only, you know, 60 seconds. And like you say, if you can say it in 10, say it in 10. But the pieces that, are, that, that get engagement is I'll sit and watch a movie for four fucking hours and, and I'll start to one o'clock in the morning. If I'm, if I'm captured by the story, then I'll give it my attention. If I'm not captured by the story and you're just trying to deliver me a message, I'm likely to switch off and go looking for the story. So... Yeah, I think storytelling is a huge part of, um, well, content in general, but definitely, uh, you know, video and building relationships across this medium, right? That we, like you say, we, we, we're saturated by Zoom. We've all had a chance to experience what it's like to have meetings and, and, and conversations across Trevor, this medium. Trevor, did you just say chance? Did you say, did you say chance? I said chance, yes. Oh, my God. You're an Australian, you're an Australian, mate. A rabbit hole. I am Australian, mate. Australians yeah. all let no. us rejoice, <laughs> for we are young and free. Lovely. Yeah, oh, I, yes, I, I pushed. So am I. It's okay. So am I. Yeah, like, like you, I pushed through the 5,000 people that were headed the other way as I tried to battle my way into Auckland. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're a rare breed, but maybe, you know, there's something to it. We, I keep it very quiet. My friends say, oh, how do you like it? He's like, yeah, it's all right. 
it's okay here, you know. It's not a bad Look, place. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Australian citizen, but I was born in New Zealand. But yes, when I lived in right. Sydney, my mother was born in, uh, born in Melbourne. So I remember I, I, I want to vote, and well, you have to be in a, be a citizen. Okay, I'll, I'll apply for citizenship. So I did, and and I was I was all expecting to you know uh, learn the national anthem. I think I already knew it, and um, and I well, got my children, yeah something like that, and um, got my certificate <laughs> in the mail. It's like, all right, John, maybe you're an Australian citizen. So there you go. Anyway, I digress. Um, where were we? We were talking about telling stories. And, telling uh, story. and, and we, we, we started a story. And now you're far more relatable because we've, we've uncovered that we're both Australian and probably have a similar story to tell there. So, um, so you can see just from that example there how important hmm. it is. We'd rather tell those stories than babble on about, you know, the five... Exciting. Uh, principles of marketing that every small business must must be aware of today. I mean, I, I, I'm really bullish on authenticity. That's why I love this podcast medium. I wanted to go live and get live broadcasting happening because to me it's so important. Um, you know, and, and I try and practice what I preach, right? So I tell all the pe- people that I work with and, and, and my team to you know stay authentic. It's, it's not about really highly polished perfection. And, and I think a lot of businesses when they first get into this or they're <clears throat> they're new to it and they have these negative results that you were talking about. Oh, I tried video and it didn't work. It's because they're trying to produce a Nike TVC. And it's like, fuck your Nike TVC. Just get on the thing and, and talk. You know, people, I, I remember I did this seminar a couple of years ago when Facebook live first became a thing and, uh, and people were going, Oh, I couldn't go live. What, what am I going to talk about? I said, just push the button and start talking. <laughs> It's really not that hard. Well, you know, it's and kind of what, you know, kind of what we're doing now is like, you know, yes, we've been talking for twenty five minutes, but um, you actually forget about the fact that you're live on Facebook, and I need to <laughs> be polished. Is you just end yeah. up having, end up having a conversation with another person, and it's, yeah. that's why that's that's what I love about that's what I love about video, particularly mm. as opposed to public speaking. In public speaking, you are talking to an audience. And your language and your projection changes. Whereas video and radio is just like having a conversation with a person in a cafe. So how I am with you right now is how I should be when I'm talking to an old mate in a cafe in Takapuna, wherever it might be, you know? And or how you're talking to a customer, right? You don't suddenly go, oh, 100%. Oh, I'm John. Hello. I'm a video presentation I'm... coach. <laughs> yes, I'm here to, you know, who the fuck would do business with you if you talk exactly. like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that was for the, for the video. For the people who are watching the video, you got that one. If you're listening to it, you have no idea what you just No saying. idea. You might want to go back and look. <laughs> so, speaking of storytelling, and then this, is, this is my one little thing that I figured out about you. I heard a rumour that you once spent some time in jail, Mr. John Mandy Jr. Oh, dear me. Dear me. Oh, that is a good so story. So you're Australian and you've been in jail. So you really are feeling the stereotype here, mate, because I am Australian. I've been to court a couple of times, but I've never made it. Oh, actually, I did get locked up for one night. So I have been in jail too, I guess. Uh, well, look, yeah, I tell us your story. John. Oh, look, it's a very, it's a very short story. But well, it's I, I actually have been on a podcast um, and telling that story for an hour and a half. It's a good, it's a good rollicking story, and I'm so glad that I had the experience in my life. Yeah, I would really quite like the twenty thousand dollars back that I got out of jail in America. Jeez. But I'm so glad that you know I can say, okay, yes to my grandchildren. I had. Um, I went to jail for six days wearing orange for my 50th birthday. Wow. Tell the story, John. How did you get, you know, because 
my listeners have never met you before and probably haven't seen the hour and a half frolicking uh, story about it. So give us the give us the uh, the skinny because I hear it's very I'll, funny. I'll give you the abridged version. So basically, I I've I've been a big fan of going to music festivals. Uh, I've been to three Coachellas, 2014, 15, 16, and there's another festival called Bonnaroo, which is just south of Nashville in Tennessee. And I had been to one in 2016, and uh, headlining was um, Billy Joel, uh, Florence the Machine, um, you know, uh, uh, lots of big name acts that appear in lots of other music festivals around the world. And uh, it was my 50th birthday in 2017, and I went, okay, cool, I'm going to, and there's this wonderful community of festival goers. You know, people who look. There's actually there's another story here. I have the the word revelry, mm-hmm. the word revelry tattooed on my person, but so do fifteen other people that I go to oh, cool. a music festival with mm-hmm. or have done in the past. And revelry is a song by Kings of Leon, and it's a song that describes our group of people. Yes, revelry is, you know, the abridged version, getting fucked up often. But, um, but it's also about, um, you know, loud, boisterous, the Oxford Dictionary, the loud, boisterous behavior often involving lots of alcohol. And that's perfectly fine, too. So um, with those, with the, with the wonderful people and the music um, and the experience of uh, music festivals, um, I went to, I had the aim of going to Bonnaroo. Um, in 2017, but I didn't quite get there. In fact, I was meant to go from go to three music festivals. Uh, there was another one called uh, in, in, in Delaware, uh, and there was another one in um, Iceland where I was going to be the bridesmaid for my best friend who was getting married. Um, and that also included Washington. Always DC. the bridesmaid, never you, the bride. Yeah, well, yeah, might be, might be. <laughs> and um, so I, I. And all of that was paid for. New York, DC, all the festivals, all the flights. But all I got to see was Tennessee. And you know, I tell the story, and I, oh, I do sweat a little bit because I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. I'm a white boy from Takapuna, and I, I'm, I, I buy by the rules. Um, but I might have bought, um, I might have bought at a festival, I might have bought an ecstasy tablet. And the ecstasy Allegedly. tablet. Allegedly, yes. No, I, I, I definitely bought them in, in Auckland. I bought them in Auckland like 2013. <laughs> and I took five of them. They didn't work. So I put the sixth one in my little travel bottle. And I had been from, you know, I'd been to Auckland, to Mexico, to Los Angeles, to, to, to Salt Lake City, to three or four times. And I had this pinger. Australians get that word, pinger. I had a pinger. pinger. I had a, a pinger in my toiletry bag. And when we got stopped on a routine traffic inspection, just, just we picked up one of those RV units in um, in Birmingham, Alabama, way down the way, way down south. And we, um, uh, you know, I was with a couple of Americans who probably should have said, you know, where's your cause? Go away, Mr. Policeman. But New Zealanders and Australians have a different. Uh, respect for the law that perhaps Americans mm. don't. You know, it's just a different, you know, how many respect. Many t- yeah. respect? Yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe not for the maybe not for the Australians, but I think for, for most new law abiding New Zealanders, it's like, you know, yeah, we, 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 we yeah, have yeah, yeah. police are here yeah, yeah. So when very you know so when they shout say, out to the New Zealand police, you guys do a great job. So you know when they, a lot of other countries. Yeah, so, so so when they say can we can we search you? I'm like, well I've got nothing to hide. 
Sure you can. No worries. I'm here on holiday. And I was wearing this big, like, pimp jacket that my friend was going, we were going to wear at, at, her, at her wedding in Iceland where it would have been really cold. But anyway, so I got searched. They found the pinger. And, um, and Mr. Maybury, uh, you are under arrest. And again, this is the thing. You're, you're put in handcuffs. You're put in the back of a police car. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God. I have, I'm, I've, I've never been in the back of a police car, let alone been handcuffs before. And um, so that was, it, was, it was hilarious. Then the, um, uh, you know, I'm, I, I was pretty nervous. You know, I've never been in jail before, let alone, you know, I, I'm, I'm on holiday. I'm in shorts and a T-shirt. And I'm going to a music festival, and now I'm in jail. So um, uh, during the, there's a booking in process. So there was a rather large lady behind the desk, and she would go, she would, she would say, name, uh, John, last name, Maybury, uh, social security number. Oh, we, we don't have those. In, we don't have those. In, you know? How do you tell people apart? I said, we have names. <laughs> Yeah, she didn't like that one. Um, but apparently, you know, look, John, John was a little bit naive. Uh, you know, never been locked up before. They, uh, I might have had, I might have had, so I had one pinger, but I also, also had some Xanax, um, which I have for some medical stuff that, well, it's just more there as a safety. Yeah, I was going to trade the Xanax too for other things, but let's not, let's go. And it's, a, it's a great detail. Anyway, so, but the pinger was in with the Xanax. So, um, and you know, this is where it becomes a revenue raise. You know, the, the, the police, yeah. the arresting officer came into me and said, well, um, where did you get the Xanax? It's like, stupid John said, well, I got them in Mexico, didn't I? No. So, you know, okay. So John was a bit dumb. Red flag. <laughs> so uh, they, they basically booked me. They booked me not on one pinger. They booked me on... Uh, they said, well, the, the pinger has leaked into the Xanax. So you've gone from one pinger to 40 pingers. So that's the possession and supply of a class one drug oh, with a bond of 100 oh. US thousand dollars. So I'm sitting there going, you know, anyway, trusting that some people uh, who I was with who had been released or weren't, weren't, weren't arrested, they will go off to the festival to see all my other friends and find help. And I sat there and, and they, they then got me to get changed, got into my or orange, my stunning fashion, beautiful um, orange uh, outfit with orange clogs. Mm -hmm. And in the back of the jail, there's a jail, there's the, 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 there's the drunk tank and then there's this jail house at the back. There's six pods. And the, um, uh, there was a state pod where all the career criminals are heading between, you know, uh, county jails. There's a women's pod. There's a black pod. All the black followers in one, one pod. There's a normal pod. And there's a sex offenders pod. They put me in the sex offenders pod. Because you have got pingers. And that the only reason you have pingers is because you're a sex offender. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was very, and you know, you describe the little pod. There was like 40 men. Um, and the, the, you remember, this is jail, not prison, right? But it's still, to me, it's like, well, I've never been in, in this Behind situation bars before. Behind bars, an orange jumpsuit. Wearing an orange. <laughs> so I was pretty nervous. I was pretty nervous. But, you know, there was some um, – I, I spent six days – uh, in jail, the only highlight, you know, there's a there's a there's a pod leader and then his two cronies who who carry out, you know, is a, what I used to say this is a jail is a microcosm of life, you know, in 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 life we trade, and if we if we if we 
do something wrong, we go bankrupt. That's that's the the end of the scale. Uh, obviously, in jails, you can trade because they get they can put money. They can buy chocolate bars and all that sort of stuff. But if you uh, if you overtrade or overcommit, then you get beaten up. And I got put into a cell with uh, three guys. So this this is a two bunk cell that's not much bigger than the area that I'm. Anyway, it's about you know two six meters. Six before probably yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And literally, I would you know the food would arrive and I would say here here I'm going to give you my food. Me, protect me, please. Well, after two days of giving them the meal, I then realized that uh, uh, these three guys had been in fights and they had all got beaten up. So all of the losers were in the same fucking jail cell. So well, I'd been giving asking for protection from people that need it themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, the, the long story short, um, yeah, I was I was probably nervous in jail, and I remember, look, I'm a I'm a gay guy, so I was I, I was worried that you know you coming from New Zealand, Australia, the only thing that you remember is, um, um, you know, st- news news reports, people standing in a, in a courtroom wearing orange or movies about jail. And I thought mm-hmm. I was, you know, you, you drop the soap and you get, you know. That, yep. Yeah. I was, I was scared. I was scared. I was scared. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Anyway, yeah, I, I don't want to get too graphic. But um, but I did, I, I, I did um, our pod leader said to me, he said, John, I said, yes, you're gay, aren't you? And I went, yes, excellent. Uh, we've got a bisexual guy here in here in this pod. Maybe you guys can get together for your fiftieth birthday. And I said, <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. I I'm said that's capable that, of making those decisions. Thanks. I, I said that's that's not that's not exactly ha- how it works. Oh, anyway, man, so the long story, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll wrap it up in, uh, in one minute. Effectively, I got bailed out by the, by a, uh, have you ever heard of Cage the Elephant? It's a music band, whatever. They won, won a couple of Grammys in, uh, in Nashville. Anyway, the bassist, he bailed me out uh, after my friends in New Zealand had found a lawyer, paid for the lawyer. He went and saw the, the judge. They got the, the bond down to 10000 so you're out to they get out a $1,000 bond. I got out. I spent two weeks in Nashville staying with people that I had, that had to put a $10,000 bond on their house and had met me for an hour the year before. Yeah. So, you know, lots of trust, lots of love. Uh, and in fact, I went to court and I had to plead guilty to a lesser charge or a, a, a misdemeanor because mm-hmm. they had lost the evidence. <laughs> and and they knew that they were going to lose the evidence. It was just a revenue raise. How much money can yeah. we get out of this John Mabry fella? And it was around about 20000 uh, Well, throw in the lawyer. So the, I guess the state got about 10 grand and the lawyer got 10 grand. So, you know, uh, it was... It was a, it was an, an even, even, just the the the, the incredible experience uh, when the the lawyer came to me and said, "Okay, John, uh, you can you can you can you can go. Um, all we've got to do is you got to go and pay your fine. You get your passport back, and you can go." And I sort of looked at my phone and went, "Oh well, look, it's, it's three o'clock in the morning in New Zealand. Um, I, I, I don't I don't have three and a half thousand dollars in my back pocket or in an FPOS machine." So, um, and the lawyer looked at me and said, John, you're the nicest fellow I've ever met. How about I put your fine on my gold Amex and then you can pay me back tomorrow? How's that? 
and his his lawyer friend looked at me and said, "I've been in law for forty years, and I've never seen a lawyer put <laughs> a his lawyer client to do that. Fine yeah. on his credit card." Oh boy, you got you got uh, a little rap sunshine at the end there, by the sounds of it. But man, what a ride! Um, I, I'm sure you would have much preferred to have been at the festival, but. Um, Yes. You've now got a story. Uh, you probably, if you're anything like me, I've been to more festivals than I can count, and I only remember a very small percentage of them. <laughs> so you you probably remember that story Trevor, a hell of a lot better than Trevor. you probably would remember the festivals. Well, no, I remember. I remember my first Coachella. Have you have you have you ever been to any ones overseas? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I I spent I've been I've been to quite a few. I've never been to Coachella. Uh, Burning Man's on my list. Yep. Uh, but, you know, in a previous life, I was very heavily involved in the music industry and I actually uh, ran a record label and a recording studio in Australia. Yep. And nice. I was, uh, I, I managed to get the Woodford Folk Festival. I'm not sure if you know who those guys are, but it's probably the biggest festival in, in Australia. They gave me a stage. So I used to run a stage at the Woodford Folk Festival and program it. And it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, yeah, ha- had many a good time. The big one is uh, Glastonbury. That was that was one of the bigger ones I went to, and and yeah, just unlike any other festival I'd ever been to, really have just moments, just like not even sixty seconds worth, just just glimpses of, of what happened, of, of where I might have been. Uh, I hitched a ride out there, hoping to catch my friends. Realised when I got there that there was probably a hundred thousand people walking around, and the chances of me bumping into my friends was very small. And then suddenly they were there. I stopped, and you know, it was just my son might listen to this, so I better just be careful the level of stories that I go into. Authenticity, authenticity. Let it all yeah. out. I stopped to roll a big joint because I was lost and I didn't didn't really care. And I was as I was rolling a joint, my six friends just walked straight past, and I literally my introduction to them was here, guys, have a go at that. And uh, and then the, it was very funny because they'd gone, two of them had gone together, and just through the course of the the the, event, the few days that led up to it, ended up being six. But they only had a two man tent, so there was six of us sleeping. And then for those who are watching the video, you can see that you know the sleeping is very much in inverted commas. Uh, six of us slept in a two-man tent, and so how we would how we did it was five would get in and roll on their side, and then the sixth person would kind of slot in, and that was it. You was on your side, slotted in, and pressed up against the walls. And uh, yeah, the other the other memory I have, or well, I have a few, but one of the other memories I have was we found this beautiful little spot on day one where we set up camp by by a little stream, and nobody was there, and we were like, this is interesting. This is a great spot. Nobody's got. Little did we know that the stream became just a giant urinal. It was just like all of the shit and all of the piss from the festival goers just went through the stream. So by the end of the first day, our campsites were camping by an open sewer, uh, which is why nobody else was camping there. So it was a, <laughs> what, what looked like a beautiful no. little picturesque spot in the wilderness turned into this horrible fucking mess. Uh, so we just kind of I ended up just sort of sleeping wherever I kind of fell down and with whoever I was happened to be with at the time but it was a it was a yeah festivals are a great uh, a great t- place to kind of check out for uh for a few days and um well i don't think yeah. we were quite that we didn't i was going there as a 40 something so i wasn't roughing it quite as bad as going to rmv yeah. as a 16 year old drinking bottles of plastic wine bottles but mm-hmm. uh but i have done that as well not I might have bought a wine bottle, but yes, no, it's um, you know, we we kind of go to the VIP area and or you know, 
sit around and drink and listen, you know, and experience mm-hmm. and dance. It's, I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. Coachella is a bit more controlled. It's not quite like an R&V, but, uh, um, you know, it, it's w- – would I do it again? I, I probably, you know, we're going to remove all the COVID crap first. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I know there's, there's, a, there's a lovely festival called Splore. I don't know if you've been to Splore here in Auckland, and you know it used to be every two years. Now it's every year, you know, uh, and it's it's just a wonderful experience, right on the beach um, mm-hmm. for 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 a couple of days, and it's just magic. And it's you know it's kid friendly, and you know, mm. uh, people go there That's- for all all sort of all, all walks of life, and it's just a really great experience to get off and go camping, listen to some music, and um, a little bit of, and, and mm. a little bit of silliness. It's, it's, yeah. it's okay. Well, that's why I love the Woodford Folk Festival and shout out to uh, Bill Horrocks and Chloe uh, if they happen to be listening. But yeah, I love the Woodford Folk Festival. I mean, they even have a kids festival where they get, uh, you know, certified, you know, qualified child watchers, you know, in Australia. I think they call it a blue card or something that you've got to be registered with the government yep. if you if you look after children. So yep. they've got this kind of manned area where the kids have got face painting and drum making and games and rides and stuff. So you can just sort of drop your kids off. They have a blast all day. You go and have a blast all day. It's very friendly. There's no shit. I mean, there's always a little bit of shit at any event like that, right? There's always a you know team of 18 to 20-year-olds that have fucked themselves up by 10 in the morning and they're asleep on the grass somewhere or getting into fights or whatever. There's always a little bit of that. But for the most part, it's a very, you know, it's like going to a Matakana kind of food truck festival, right? Like, uh, but with bigger scale. Now, I, were, I loved my, uh, my And where, where, where was this festival on? Uh, Woodford Folk Festival, it's on the outskirts of Brisbane in a place called okay. Woodford. Um, right. And they actually own the land where they have it. And so they are allowed to do a lot more with the with the festival because they own the property. So it's a private property, private party kind of, kind of situation. But it's been running for years. And over the course of the five days, it runs from Boxing Day to New Year's Day. So you get those five days uh, and you see in the new year and it happens every year on the same same days. And you get so you get this recurring kind of, you know, population it's a city that pops up for those five days and i think the number is something like two hundred thousand people over the wow. course of the five days come and go and there's a core at any given time of like 50 or sixty thousand people and uh, wow. i remember i mean I, I went to them for i think it was about five or six years on the trot i didn't miss a year uh and it was it was a highlight of my year and as you say you, you know there'd be people that i would see only at woodford because they lived elsewhere and, and whatever and so every year we'd get together with these people and you know, very like-minded, and I loved I loved Woodford because it also had politics and it had other things involved. So you'd get you know politicians coming in and doing uh, yeah. talks, and you'd get uh, sort of those old old school forums, you know, public forums where there'd be a tent where you could interact with people and make uh, decisions around stuff and talk about the problems of the world. It wasn't just rock and roll, drugs, and falling over and trying to get laid and all those sorts of things. I mean, that that was over there somewhere, <laughs> and if you wanted a bit of that, that was there for you if you wanted it. But there was also the kids' festival and. You know, you could you could sign up for a drum making course, or you could hang out in a chai tent and just drink chai and talk philosophy. And so there's a bit of something for everyone. So uh, I really love it. We 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 we've definitely deviated. And I love the fact that we've deviated mm. and, uh, and and told a few stories. But just as we as we kind of get into the how did you minutes, how uh, did you hear about my jail story? Or did you Google me? No, no, I don't think. Oh, I think I, I think Google I... you. But is it on Google? Yeah, I think it is actually. Yeah. yeah. Kiwi, oh, Kiwi sex offender ends up in jail in Tennessee. Stop is that. that headline? It's not sex offender. <laughs> not sex offender. This this isn't this 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 edit, this this, 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 this is not allowed on the edit. Well, 
<laughs> this is not allowed on the edit. That's okay. Oh, okay. no. You, 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 you strike me as somebody who's least likely uh, before that came. But it's just funny that you ended up there. It reminded me of a story, actually, that I was going to tell. Well, I think we're out of time, so maybe another time. Uh, but I crossed the border from Nepal into Burma. And uh, this is in uh, year 2000. And uh, in those days, and I, I imagine it still is the case, but in those days, Burma was a really, really highly controlled country hmm. and a very serious place. But I just needed to renew my, my passport. And when I crossed into, into Burma, I realized that I, had a, I was off my fucking face. And I went into, the, uh, into this little room where they sort of process you. Um, and there's guys there with M16s and stuff. And I realized that I had a hell of a lot of illegal substances in my bag. And it wasn't until I sat down to have the interview to get my visa that I, my brain said, oh, by the way, Trev, you've got <laughs> shit in your backpack. It's probably illegal. And so I must have like, I must have just gone ghost white. And I'm looking at the guy with the machine gun going, what am I doing? <laughs> it's a very funny. I mean, I got through. Uh, my middle name is Gibson and they all thought that I was related to Mel Gibson. So it was all Hollywood and photos <laughs> with them all and they wanted me to meet Brilliant. their families and all of this sort of stuff. So it went, it went completely the other way. It was a really fun, a really fun experience and I got my visa and I even got permission to go outside the, the controlled zone in Burma. So I got to see a few things outside of that. There's a very much a, you know, if you're a tourist in, in Burma or Myanmar, I can't remember what it's called, uh, but they they sort of say here's the area here's a map this is where you're allowed to go if you get caught outside this area you can get arrested and go to jail mm. which is interesting and uh because i had this weird interaction with everybody who thought i was related to mel gibson and that i was uh, famous in some way uh they wanted me to meet their family so they took me out and showed me around and i got to see parts of burma that you probably wouldn't normally get to see which opened my eyes to just this fields of purple flowered bushes uh, that they, <laughs> they grow in, in Burma. And it's very obvious they don't hide it at all. It's not subtle. There's just fields and fields and fields of opium and you just drive along the road and there they are, uh, which is what they probably don't want the tourists seeing. But yeah, that's uh, I think a big chunk of the world's heroin supplies grown in that country, um, which is, you know, adds to the excitement when you're traveling on your own and you're also under the influence and you suddenly realise you're in a very foreign, very controlled, very serious country uh, and, you know, things could change quite quickly for you as you found out in what would otherwise normally be a normal kind of country, right? Going to the US, you wouldn't think you'd have the sorts of issues that you had. So, uh, no, great story, mate. Um, and just bringing it back to, I guess, you know, uh, <laughs> trying to tie this in, you know, uh, into, into what well, we I think, I, th with. I think, I think you've, you've framed it really well is, you know, we get lost in uh, authentic storytelling. Mm. You know, we've talked for, you know, for, for almost 30 minutes on store. Well, sorry for dominating the, the, the time frame there, Trevor, uh, you didn't That's really get the bloody word in its way, but you know, the, You're the Authentic storytelling is what people connect with, and yeah. uh, just do more of that. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, use the small form to introduce people to the long form. You know that that's how I think you build uh, relationships online is by revealing some of yourself through this process of authentic storytelling. People suddenly realise you're a normal fucking human being who's had also crazy experiences in your life that they can relate to. And I'm sure there's a few listeners out there going, oh, I remember that time when I was at Burning Man and I had a similar, uh, you know, and then using the, that, that medium to build relationships, right? So 
I look at it as, um, like I was saying before, like a sales call on demand almost, or, or, or like, an, you know, the ability for people to engage with you when they're ready to engage, take a piece of that and, and start to build a relationship with you. And it's amazing. I don't know about you, but I get people out of the woodwork, uh, you know, not very common because I'm certainly no influencer or fucking famous celebrity of any kind. But uh, I do get people hitting me up saying, oh, you know, and they bring up something that happened a year or two ago. And it's because they've seen that they've been following me for whatever reason, you know, mildly online for a few years and they know stuff about me. And I'm like, oh, fucking didn't even know. who are you and how do you know that about me? And then I remembered, oh, that's that podcast I did with John where I talked about that, that thing that happened to me in Burma. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I, 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 it's I'm amazing not- the power that stuff has. And how it translates across to your business, right? You know, uh, I mean, and it's it's obviously, you know, I think there'll be stuff. You know, I tell my jail story, knowing oh, I don't really want to tell that story, but there will be some people that you know I, I enjoy telling it. And mm-hmm. anyone who is listening it, listening to it, if they were to find that about me later on, they'll probably wouldn't work with me. So, you know, you, you're going to attract who who who, who likes you. So mm-hmm. tell the find your people. Find your people, hundred percent. But you know, I, I, I last year, last year, I, I'm, I'm, I'm also HIV positive, and I told that HIV story in a post, um, mm-hmm. and and also then you know, and then got a speaking gig out of it. And I, I've never had um, my, my calendar at the time was never so full. So people were just like, oh my god, John, you were just so damn authentic telling mm-hmm. that story. I, and I think so long as you make that personal story relatable to business so you know why would i tell my hiv story it was a well my 20 year anniversary of living with hiv and aids and i made it relevant to COVID times it's like we're we're in we're in uncertain times so long as you can tell the story tell the the, tell the tell the personal story then link it to business or something about business then Uh that's where the true true uh, true true value of it lies that's where you see the masters, right? Like the guys like Gary Vee. He, he has, you know, and he's refined his craft through trial and error. He put out content that was shit. And then he realized, oh, that one little story I told and tied it back to my business went really, really well, went viral. So I'll do more of that. And that's Correct. how everybody learns. I mean, people who are, you know, if you've made it this far, thank you again for your attention. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast. And, and, and hopefully one of the, the lessons is that nobody really knows how to do this stuff perfectly, right? It's like, People talk to me about marketing and they expect, well, if I put $10,000 in, I'm going to get $50,000 out. I thought, well, that might be our goal. We might try and do that, but there's no fucking guarantee that that's what's going to happen. And I think that's the same in uh, when you're creating content. It's about trial and error, be yourself and, you know, learn what, what people relate to, what goes well. And, if, and, 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 and as you say, if you can take something personal and tie it into something professional, then you're really finding that sweet spot. And I think that's... Uh, that's an, and if, if, if there's one lesson to, to take from this podcast, it's A, check your fucking toiletries bag before you travel to the US and B, tell, uh, tell a good story and relate it to something relevant in your business. And I think people will be far more likely to engage with you than, uh, than otherwise. So, um, yeah. Thank, awesome. thank, thank you for having me on the show, Trevor. I really, really, really enjoyed this podcast, John. It's been great talking to you, mate. I hope we can catch up again soon. I look forward to it. Cheers, brother. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.